today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. So here's the thing. Uh, I am a self-declared athlete and uh, I haven't actually ever won a race. I've never actually been in the top 100 of a race. In fact, in triathlon, I've never been in the top 1,000. And uh, so, but I'm still an athlete. And, and do you know what athletes need a lot of? Is they need a lot of water. And, uh, you know, I might drink throughout a triathlon, I might drink up to three to four litres of water in that period of time. It's interesting now, water, isn't it? You know, it's, it seems to have changed shape over the years. You know, we used to go and get a drink of water out of the tap. And uh, it's all different now, isn't it? You know, there's, you know, we'll say to the person next to you, uh, sparkling or still? <laughs> or in Europe, when we went over there, it was gas or no gas. I said, look, that depends if you give me dairy or not. But, uh, um, it's changed shape, hasn't it? You've got your basic Mount Franklin water now in a bottle. And then you've got, you go up the range and you get the Evian. And then, then now we've got the new celebrity Voss water that, that our youth pastor partakes of. You know, I don't, he's obviously got another job to be able to afford that kind of water. I think he just keeps filling up the same bottle and pretending he's drinking the Voss water. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Is that we, we've shifted. We've shifted from, you know, it used to be just soda water, but now it's sparkling water. And you know, the waitress will come along, and, and or the waiter will come along, and they'll say, um, "What kind of water would you like?" You know, and 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 they'll say, "Oh, would you like lemon in that?" We'll go, "No, you can't have lemon. You must have lime in that." You know? And uh, you know, is it? And have you got the Eda limes from that we can bring in today and just squeeze a little bit into them? Twenty years ago, when uh, when I was about three, these. Um, there was no such thing as uh, bottled water. We just went and got a drink of water out of the tap. And if the thought of actually paying money for water, oh my gosh, it was ridiculous. Yet now we can go out, you can buy some, some San Pellegrino lightly sparkled water and you can pay $11 for, for a bottle of water in a, in a restaurant. Can you believe that we do these things? Let me tell you, when I've just swum 1,500 metres... And then I've cycled 40 kilometres and I'm on, on the run leg. You know, when I slow down through the drink station where some great soul has sacrificed their time to give me a, a cup of water, I'm not asking for lightly sparkled San Pellegrino, let me tell you. I'm just saying, give me one as quick as you can. I throw one in my face and I grab another one. I don't even say thanks. I just keep running because I'm traumatised. <laughs> but I need to get the water in me. If there was a hose, I would stick the hose in my mouth. I don't care about the rubber. I just want the H2O to quench my thirst. It's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine in the middle of a triathlon running along and saying, oh, have you got the San Pellegrino sparkling? Look, I only drink Voss water. Have you got lime that you could just squeeze into that? And you just, you know, you swish it around in your mouth and you, go, and you spit it out and then you go, no, no, no. What else have you got there? Can you grab me some other water that I can, that I can drink because you know, my body is sensitive and it needs, it needs the specific Voss style. 
And I, need, I, I can only really drink out of glass because when I drink out of plastic, I feel like it picks up some toxins out of the plastic and it can get into my system and I won't have enough energy to finish the race. Are you serious? Please, just turn to the next person next to you and just slap them just quickly. And say, wake up. Wake up to yourself. H2O is to, susten- is to give your body sustenance. It's to, it's to deal with the dryness. It's to, deal with, it's to deal with the thirst. You know, our bodies are supposedly 80% water. 80% water and we need to get a lot of it in us. And you're supposed to drink, you know, supposedly we need to drink at least two litres of water a day. If we're drinking two litres of sparkling San Pellegrino with lime in it a day, we're going to go broke. Turn on the tap and get a glass and drink a tap water of H2O and slap yourself. And just remind yourself, seriously, what are we about here? What are we becoming? You see, here's the thing. When you're, when you're on mission, when you're running a race, you're not worried about the finer details of what you're putting into your body. You're worried about the energy that you're getting. You're worried about the thirst quenching qualities of water. You're not worried about who made it, what kind of packaging it's in, whether it's sparkling or lightly sparking. We're not worried about these things. We're worried about getting the sustenance from here into here so that we can energize, be energized to do the task that is at hand. When did water shift from being a free thirst quencher to a luxury item? When did that shift happen? When did the shift happen? Gas or no gas? Evian, Voss, Mount Franklin? The horror of drinking Frantel or whatever it is, you know, the one that you buy at Woolies, my gosh. The horror. You know, when I'm engaged and when I'm on purpose, I see the true value of what I'm putting into my body. I see the true value of the things that I do and I see them in relation to energizing me and to delivering what I'm committing myself to deliver. We're just doing this this series on worship at the moment. God has said to us, he said to us simply this one statement, worship me, worship me, worship me. We've we've been reading this verse every week for the last month. We've been this, the Lord, he is enthralled with your beauty. He is the Lord, worship him. The command of God is to worship him. Simply because he is Lord. You know, I love that song that we sang today, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Do you know who, what, what you're doing when you sing that song? You're speaking to yourself and you're saying, Self, submit yourself to this purpose of worshipping in Him. Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Soul, bless the Lord. Every part of me that, wants, that is selfish, every part of me that is thinking about something other than the Lord, come into submission now and bless the Lord. 
every part of me come into submission. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It's something that we need to do. To, we need to speak to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that it doesn't matter what kind of water we're drinking. It doesn't matter what style of music we're singing. It doesn't matter what we're about during the day. What matters is that our whole being comes into submission to our spirit and blesses the Lord with a life of worship. See, God's given us senses and emotions. And we tend to, and we can enjoy it. You know, I, you know, I do love a glass of sparkling San Pellegrino with lime. You know, I enjoy it. But the sustenance that that water imported all the way from Italy does to my body, as opposed to a drink of water out of the tap, probably very minimal. The H2O is the same H2O, whether it's from Italy and slightly sparkled or whether it's from the tap out of um, Karoi. So God's challenge to us is to respond to him with a life of worship. What it looks like is up to you. The style of life that you live is up to you. How you, how you live your life, how you respond to him is totally up to you. He's given you a free will. And you know what? He's also made it enjoyable. Isn't it great that God has, he said, live a life of worship, but it's, he's, he's enabled us to enjoy it. When we sing, not only does he get praised, we get to enjoy the process of praising his name. When we do great things for him in our lives, not only does he get blessed, but we get blessed in the process. The, the, um, the, the old legend in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, said this thing. He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. His joy is my strength. And this is a significant thing when it comes to being worshippers. A significant thing is what do you, whose joy are we trying to achieve in this scenario? So when you get up on Monday morning... You know, we've got these efforts. We're paying off our homes. We're looking to buy a home. We're looking to, to, to step into a new car. We're looking to buy that new toy. We're looking to, to bless our children. We're looking to have um, happiness in our homes. And we're looking to do all these things. But are we asking ourselves this one simple question? Lord, does my life bring you joy? Are you asking that question, church? Are you asking the Lord that question, is my life, bringing you joy, Lord. You see, because when the Lord is experiencing joy, we are strong. Our families are strong. Our communities are strong. So our role in life is not to look for joy for ourselves. Our role in life is to ask the Lord what brings him joy and get into that place. What brings you joy, Lord? What brings you joy? What questions are you asking about your life to God? You know, when outside of Sundays, this is my question of the Lord. Lord, would you say to me that I am a worshipper? Would you speak that identity over me when you look at my life? You know, I come on Sundays and I get together with my family and I, and I sing, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and greater is, and, and we share the word of God and we love, in, love on each other. And, and then on Monday, Lord, would you call me a worshipper? Would you say that about my lifestyle every day of the week? This is a question that I ask the Lord. Is my life a response 
to your greatness, Lord? Is my life, when you look at it, Lord, is it a response to your greatness? And I always put a qualifier at the start before I ask him. I say, Lord, please be gentle. Please be gentle with me when you answer my prayer. Please be, please be gracious as you answer these things because I, these are directions that I want to head. James read this verse this morning. He spoke about it from Philippians 2. He talked about Jesus. You see, Jesus not only gives us, um, he not only shows us why we should worship, he also shows us the model of worship, doesn't he? verse 8 of chapter 2, he says this, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. You know, in the last 30 or so years, the definition of worship has shifted. The definition of worship has shifted from a response, from a life responding to God's greatness to an event that we attend. It has shifted from a life responding to God's greatness and his authority and his sovereignty to an event that we attend. Here's the beauty of true worship. True worship elevates us above any event. True worship elevates us above a guitar. It elevates us above our attitude. It elevates us above how we feel when we get out of bed. True worship elevates us into a place of acknowledging God's presence and his authority and his power, and we walk according to that space. See, it's time to shift out of eventful worship and shift into a life of worship. How do we do that? We say, Lord, today is my response to you. When we get out of bed, we don't say, we don't go, what do I have to do today? The first thing we say, today, Lord, I want it to be my response to who you are and what you've done and what you want to do. In Chronicles, it says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. It doesn't say, give unto the Lord the glory due his name on Sundays. It says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord our maker. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Wow. See the new definition of worship is going back to the original definition of worship which is a life that acknowledges the authority, acknowledges the sovereignty and acknowledges the greatness of God and then lives accordingly 
This is the definition of a life of worship. If we are worshippers as we acknowledge His sovereignty, as we acknowledge His goodness, His greatness, His authority, and respond to that, this is a life of a worshipper. The problem that we have is we spend a lot of time trying to uh, avoid authority, don't we? Do you ever like calculate... You know, you're driving down the highway and you're in a hurry to get to Brisbane and the speed limit's 110 and you do that little calculation in your head and you go, I've heard that they only pull you over when you're 10% over. So I'm working out, oh God, what's 10%? That's you know, uh, another 11 kilometres an hour. So if I do one, uh, 19, I'm two kilometres an hour under the, you know, under the, uh, there's a police officer here. I don't do this. I've heard people do this. Uh, I just spotted a police officer in the crowd and... Uh, I've heard that people do these things. And I go, you know, I respect, I respect the punishment, but I don't respect the authority. I respect the punishment, but I don't respect the authority. See, I don't want to get a fine. I don't want to get the punishment. So I go, well, how far can I stretch myself inside the bounds of authority and still not get a fine? We do it in a lot of different areas of our lives, hey? We do it in when we're looking at getting a building approval through, when we're getting our car, putting our car over the pits, you know, when we're looking at how much can we stretch this set of tyres out before we get a new set, you know, you've got that, those little markers, you know, you only just touch the marker, you know. See, it's as we, and then we come to church and it's all about coming under the authority of God. It's all about, it's all about, worship is all about acknowledging his authority. But yet we go into the world and we don't acknowledge every, any authority. You know, we take that personal phone call at work on, on, on the boss's dime. We, you know, we, we get our, uh, we use, we take a pinch of stamp from work and we put it on our, on our um, envelope and we send it off. You know, we're, we're always kind of teetering around these things, aren't we? These areas of authority and, and respect in our lives, you know, to take the shortcut to get there the easy way. And then God's saying, your worship is all day, every day, and you need to acknowledge my authority. And if you acknowledge my authority, you won't have an issue acknowledging man's authority because you're not afraid of the man, you're in fear, reverent fear of the living God. See, Satan isn't afraid of our singing, he's not afraid of our preaching, Yet he is in absolute fear of our being subject to the authority of Christ. When we are completely subject to the authority of Christ, it sends shivers down the spine of the enemy because his lies hold no power. His lies are about what can you get away with? How can you minimize this? How can you maximize that? How can you get a little bit more than you're meant to get? How can you get that edge on the field? How can you get that? How can you make the win on that field by testing the boundaries of the authority there? Have you ever walked into uh, some government offices or anything, and they, and they, uh, the person in there who's who's at the counter is uh, takes their authority to another level. They take their authority to another level and they use, they've got some, you know, they've, they've got some authority to ask you to fill in this form or that form. But if they want to make it easy for you, they can. And if they want to make it hard for you, they absolutely can. And they 
sometimes do. You see, we love having authority ourselves. You know, it takes a certain personality type to be, is anyone a car park inspector? Anyone a, a car park ticket inspector? Guy? You know, it takes a certain kind of personality to be that person, doesn't it? Because you've got an authority and you've got a job to do, but people are always testing the boundaries of that one hour and two hour sign. And everyone's got this kind of general agreed, you know, kind of uh, unhappiness about these people. Yet the reality is, is they're just doing their job. Put chalk, you know. Do you walk along and you rub the chalk off your um, wheel and then go back into the restaurant for another hour? That's terrible. (laughs) Or do you just roll the car forward so the chalk mark's now on the bottom of the wheel and not on the top? These are terrible things. And if I'm educating you, I apologise. But... See, we do these things because we want to stretch the boundaries of the law. But what brings fear, what brings horror, what brings, what brings absolute disdain to the enemy is when we're completely submitted to the authority of God. This is what a life of worship is. Someone who says, Lord, uh, you are my sovereign leader. You are the Lord. You know, we, we love that he's our saviour. But when we declare that he is our Lord, that he, you know, he's saved us from destruction. But when we make him Lord, that is what sends fear into the enemy. Because when we make him Lord, we live a life worshipping him. We live a life in response to him. Not out of our senses, not out of our emotions, but in response to who he says that we are and what he is calling us to do. And when we do that, we're living a life of worship. We're no longer worship attenders. We're worshippers. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, People come near to me with their mouth and they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Wow. It's a tough verse, isn't it? It's a tough verse to swallow in our lives and there's a challenge onto the hearts of each of us today because he's saying when our hearts drift away from him, when when, when our hearts drift away from him and stop acknowledging him as our Lord, then we're only worshipping him with our lips. And he wants it to be something that comes out of our hearts. It's a response to his greatness. It's as we learn who he is. In our goal in life to become worshippers is to discover more of God's greatness, more of his capacity, more about him. And as we discover more about him and who he is, in his nature, in his character, in his wisdom, in his power, and in his, in his sovereignty, as we discover these things our response to him overflows into every area of our lives. Into the way that we raise our children, into the way that we run our business, into the way we drive our car down the highway, into when we replace the tyres on our car, into all these things that we're not trying to push the boundaries to get more. We're trying to serve the living God so that he gets joy. See, whoever is met with the authority deals only with authority, not the man. I was having a coffee with our, uh, with our previous pastor, Pastor Michael Clift, who's here today, yesterday. And, uh, you know, we, Mike, Pastor Mike had a, a, a great relationship with the mayor of Noosa. And uh, so he knew who was in charge. 
And, you know, when we were trying to do different things in the community and the, the clog up of the bureaucracy was getting in the way of us serving our community better, Mike knew who the real authority was and he went directly to the authority. See, we weren't offended by the people standing at the counter, but we knew who the true authority was and we, want, and we needed to disarm some of the things that were, that were simply blocking the way of us actually giving to the community. See, when we know the authority of God, when you know the authority of God over me, then you're not worried about my agenda. You can, you can follow me as I follow Christ because you know who the true authority is. You're not offended by my weakness. I'm not offended by your weakness because I know who the true authority is. And as we serve together, we're not, our lives aren't reliant on each other being the authority. Our lives are reliant on him being the authority and our trust being in him. And when our trust is in him, we can work together and we can go over the bumps together because our trust is in him. He is our leader. And he's put people in places of authority over us, but the true authority, the true sovereignty is him. And it's as we understand that, that we can serve a man, we can serve a prime minister, we can serve a mayor, we can serve a parent who hasn't completely got it all together because we know that our God is greater. And he has put these people in these places. So here's the question for you today. Who is the greatest authority in your life? Who is the greatest authority in your life? He deals with these things throughout the word. He he says simply, he is enthralled with your beauty. Who better to be enthralled with your beauty than the king of all kings? Who better to say that you are beautiful than the creator of heaven and earth? He deals with your identity. He deals with how you look. He deals with how you feel. And then he gives it to us straight. He says, I am the Lord. Worship me. So simple. I am the Lord. Worship me. You know, we know that great verse, obedience is better than sacrifice. The prophet Samuel said it to to King Saul after he, uh, didn't, he didn't obey the command of the Lord when it comes to fighting one of the enemies. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, it's amazing how much of our lives are a sacrifice these days. Hey, we sacrifice our time, we sacrifice our money and our energy. And the Lord's saying to us, make sure I ask you to do it. Because so, sometimes we look at the Lord and say, look at all these things that we're doing for you. Our lives are a mess. We're giving you all of our money. We're giving you all of our time. And he's saying, I didn't ask you to do that. He's saying, I want you to be obedient to my authority. He's saying, I want you to follow me. See, our entire relationship with God is regulated by whether or not we've met his authority. See, we love some of the ideas in the word. We, we don't like some of the other ideas. But, we, but when we meet his authority, we stop asking which parts of the Bible we want to follow. And we just start asking the Lord, what would you like me to do today? What will bring you joy today, Lord? What will bring joy to you in what I pass down to my children and into my children's children? These are the questions that a worshiper asks. Matthew seven twenty one says, Only the person that does the will of the Father shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He's called us to be people of obedience. 
And Jesus modeled this, didn't he? I'll read that verse from Philippians 2. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross, the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those on heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He modelled it for us. He lived a life that we can respond to. You know, I was down at—I uh, was down in Canberra a few weeks ago, and uh, and I and I was just doing a little bit of a tour with a pastor friend of mine down there. And we went to the War Memorial. I didn't realise this, but at the Australian War Memorial, every day of the year, they uh, they say the as the as it closes for the evening, they they go through the ode of remembrance. And they play the last post and they lay wreaths. And they've made this declaration that lest we forget. And as I stood there, as I stood there where they play that, there's, here's the guy, he's reciting the ode of remembrance. And there's the bugle player playing the bugle. And as you stand next to them, you can look straight down. And then about four kilometres down the road, you can see straight from there down the, down the highway, up to Parliament House, through Parliament House, into the office of the Prime Minister. And the Prime Minister can sit at his desk with the doors open and look straight down at the War Memorial every night as the sun goes down. At the going down of the sun, you know, he re- they read those, they read out that, that ode, they play that bugle, and it's this constant reminder to the Prime Minister of our nation that he has a serious responsibility. When our nation goes to war, you know, he is at the helm, and he needs to be, he, to be, he needs to be reminded every day by what he can see with his natural eyes, what his responsibility carries. Because life throws a lot of curveballs at us. Can you imagine being the Prime Minister of Australia? A lot of curveballs get thrown at you. Social issues, you know, issues of welfare, issues of of um, of all sorts of things get thrown at you. So your focus of responsibility to be the gatekeeper, to be the burden bearer of our nation, to be the wisdom of our nation can get um, distracted. Isn't it interesting in life that we've been called, haven't we? But the distractions, our pain, our areas of doubt, the, thing, the, you know, the areas of provision in our lives, the struggles that we go through can distract us that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. He's, give, he's called us to be worshippers. But as we get distracted, as we get busy, it's easier for us to attend a worship service than it is to be a worshipper every day of our lives. There's, a, there's an interesting warning in Psalm 78 talking about the children of Israel when they were crossing the wilderness And at 78, verse 41 says this, they turned back and they tempted God. In other words, God asked them to do something and they turned away from him. He asked them to go into the promised land. They turned back. 
and they tested God's, God's heart for them. And this is what it says next. And it says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. You see, when God's not in complete authority in our lives, we limit him. God wants to do great things in us. He wants to do great things through us. But when we, when we don't give him complete authority in our lives, we limit the Holy One of Israel. He's called us to be worshippers, church. He's declared that he is enthralled with your beauty. He's declared that he loves you deeply, that he, did, he greatly desires your beauty. And then he just wants to let you know, listen, I am the Lord. This isn't a random person saying, I greatly desire you. It is the Lord, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Creator of the universe, greatly desires your beauty. It is the Lord who is doing that. Worship Him. Worship Him. Not on Sunday, every day. Every day. So ask the question, what brings you joy, Lord? What brings you joy? Now we talked a little bit about water Water's a little bit like worship. It can be still. It can be sparkling. Have you ever been in still worship and it's just beautiful? Have you ever had a moment through the day where you just acknowledge his greatness, just in the stillness and it's beautiful? Have you ever been in a stadium with 20,000 people and it is sparkling worship? We love those moments. But it's all worship, isn't it? It can be flavoured. It can be a bit limey. It can be alkalised. You get this alkaline water these days that deals with the acid in your bodies. You know, here's the thing, though. If I drink water once a week on Sunday, I'm going to shrivel up and be super acidic. My body is going to shrivel. It's going to become acidic and then it's going to become toxic. Worship is like this. When we attend a worship service, we can tend to uh, get a little bit shriveled. We can get a little bit toxic. We can get a little bit acidic in our lives. But God says, if you are a worshiper, if you get up and say, this day is the Lord's day. You know the old song? This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is what a worshipper says every morning. This is the day. Why doesn't the band jump up? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. See, I've got some stuff going on. I've got some meetings today. I've got to fire this person. I've got to hire that person. I've got to pay this bill. I haven't got any money to pay that bill. But no, this is how we start the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And here is how I'm going to start the day. I will be glad. I will rejoice in it. I will rejoice in the fact that he is the creator of today. See, I've got some challenges in my life. And this is what I say. I say, soul, bless the Lord. I say, every part of my life that is selfish, every part of my life that has got doubt, every part of my life that is in pain, as in unbelief, I say, come into submission in this moment and worship the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, this day. You see, when worship is part of our identity, when it's part of our lifestyle, societies have changed. Governments become moral when the people of God worship every day. Hospitals are built 
provision is given when people get up each day and say, today is the Lord's day. You created this day. I honor you in it. I will worship you and I will declare to every part of my soul that you are to be commanded right now to bless the Lord. Why don't you stand with me, church?